Hello, you're listening to episode 13, ooh, spooky, of 8-Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8-Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains big spoilers for Knives Out, so you should go and watch it first before listening and start this podcast with episode one. How, um, how are you doing today, Peter? How are you doing? How are you doing today? I am doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I went to the new place that we're moving to. I pulled up a load of carpet underlay, which mm. is apparently exhausting. Yeah, it sounds very unpleasant. Yeah, and it's it sends up like dust literally everywhere, and it's just it's just I wouldn't recommend it. I I. I in hindsight, would have just paid the fitters to do that. Yeah, why didn't you just why didn't you just leave it? Well, I mean, like it was there already. It was fine. It was old. Yeah, but and you know, ropey. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you and I don't just leave you around like my my house most of the time as well. Some of the that's, time that's fucking arguable. <laughs> no, no, like it, it, it is, but it's not. It, it's not out of lack of trying to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, you had to engineer a pandemic. <laughs> um, oh well, I, I hope you didn't hurt yourself too badly having to do manual labor yeah it's the first time uh ever no yes no, it's, it's, yes it's, i agree it's 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 been a while you know a few few aches here and there but i i, I coped it's all right it's all for a good cause i'll be <laughs> happy with it in the end uh blended Apart from that, what have I been doing? I've been um, uh, I, I played a, a video game. Jesus, that's, un, that's unorthodox. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, you, you know, you know, Stray the game with the cat. Oh shit! Um, I I bought Stray the game with the cat, fully intending to play it, but I haven't got around to it yet. Mm. Uh, I like it. I think that perhaps it, for some reason, it was just. Uh, it seems to have been phenomenally successful, and that's maybe mm. kind of inflated people's uh, ex- expectations for what it is. But it's good. It, but I don't know that it's amazing, right? It's, but it's it's very good, and uh, uh, I enjoyed my time with it. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's way more of like just a adventure game than i expected yeah you you have an inventory in this game yes yes i've seen i've seen the cat has a little backpack yeah and there's using things with other things hmm. um yeah it's uh it's a charming little game where you get to be a cute little cat going around doing some errands and helping out some robots yeah, I um I I know three things about the game. One, you play a cat. Uh two, there's a dedicated button to make you meow. Mm-hmm. Uh and three, it's in some sort of weird ass cyberpunk setting that I wasn't necessarily expecting, but fine. Yes, it's um it's in the uh genre of games with a slightly odd French vibe. 
<laughs> oh, um, oh, that reminds me, sort of ironically, I guess, of Remember Me, a, uh, a really cool sort of cyberpunk game uh, from like 2010, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had this fantastic setting and like really good world building. But the problem is it was a fucking fighting game. And I was like, I don't want to play this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, uh, maybe you'll want to play the cat game because it's, it's I do, good. I do yeah. want to play the cat game. I, in fact, by the next time we record a podcast, I might have played the cat game. Ooh. Well, then I shall say no more about it. Yeah, and we, we can compare notes. Enjoy the game. I'll be curious to know what you make of it. And uh, with I've that, heard it isn't I'll, very long. It's not very long. No, yeah. you'll, you'll get through it in like a, a few sessions. I, I, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, I am doing good. I ate some chicken from Nando's. That was nice. Mm. It was it was hot spiced chicken. Mm, delicious. And uh oh, I um I have spent the weekend watching bad sci-fi films. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Is it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I have always enjoyed the watching bad sci-fi films experience with, with you. So yeah, what what have you what do you got for us? Well, what, one one of these one of these is uh, is one that I you'll definitely remember if I say uh, fetch the eviscerator. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Imposter, which is uh, based on a Philip K. Dick book novel mm. short story. Um. Well, aren't they all? Which is a, um, a, a sci-fi film set in the future where there's a man who may or may not be a killer robot sent by aliens to blow up the president. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it somehow manages to make that premise quite dull. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and outstay its welcome by a long time. Uh, the, other, the other dreadful film I've watched recently is... Um, uh, Wes Craven's Mind Ripper. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me um let, let let me give you the synopsis of this movie and and you see if it reminds you of any other films, right? Okay. Um a a, a super soldier project in okay. in in an, an abandoned laboratory has gone terribly wrong. Right. Yeah, that's that's it. Oh, okay. Does that is that remind you of any other films? Like, I mean, I I quite like that concept, but I feel like it's done now. I feel, I mean, I feel I, like I, I was going to say that that reminds me of lots of other films. Probably, like it, it's like I feel like that that's kind of par for the course in the yeah. I, the, know, I want to say eighties. The the problems. This is from nineteen ninety five. Uh, okay. The problem space here is fully explored. I think yeah. <laughs> we can move on from that as a concept. Mm. And do you know what annoyed me most about the whole film? He doesn't like. He doesn't do any mind ripping at no, all. No, <laughs> no minds no. were ripped in the making of this movie. So, um, this two whole super soldier project thing, right? So basically, it gives a guy yellow eyes and like a really smooth head. Like he has long hair that all falls out, and he gets like a really smooth big head instead. Okay. Um. Oh, and he's like strong or whatever. Um, but, but I, I think what the mind ripping part is, is he gets like this weird tentacle like protrusion that can come out of his mouth and okay. stab people in, in the face with, 
and then they die. I mean, it's it's so it's more piercing. Yeah, a, a more accurate title for the film yeah. would be Eye Piercer. Um, mind, that, mind Stabber. <laughs> maybe that was taken, yeah. I don't know. Um, and also, also, I played two video games. Yes, I've been which, very busy. Which ones? I played some more of Power Wash Simulator. I think we spoke about that before. We have done uh, that. Um, and uh, I played Lord Winklebottom Investigates. I feel like I've heard of that game, but I can't quite place it. Tell me, tell me about this game. Uh, okay, so Lord Winklebottom Investigates. Lord Winklebottom is a giraffe, okay. um, and he's accompanied everywhere by his assistant, Dr. Frumple. Um, and it's a point-and-click adventure game where there's a murder mystery on a remote island and you have to solve the case. Okay. Who is uh, Dr. Frumple? What, what, or what oh, is Dr. Frumple? Oh, sorry, Dr. Frumple is a hippopotamus. I should have mentioned that. Okay. Thank Everyone you meet is an animal. Um, right. In, a, in like a little suit, like they, like they were a man. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, it does occasionally suffer from like fucking point and click adventure moon logic, which is a bit tedious. Yeah. Um and a couple of times I was incredibly frustrated with things. Um so it, it does two things that I don't think point and click adventure games should do here in the distant year of 2022. Okay. Um there's pixel hunting for things which I am so over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there definitely should be if if you're making a point to click adventure game you should definitely have some a button you can hold that shows you all the shit you can highlight and interact with. Mm-hmm. Um because nobody has time to find out that you know that there's a drawer in the kitchen that you missed. Right. You know. Um and also uh, sometimes I, I don't know if other games have done this, which is why I found it quite frustrating. Sometimes you interact with something that you don't need, like right now, and so he's like, "Oh, here's a thing," and you're like, "Okay, that's it. I guess that's the description." And then you go away, and because like later, I guess it just unlocks it in the game that you might need that object, so you can pick it up now. But like. Pre- precedently to that you couldn't um so you might have kind of like dismissed it as something that you could pick up entirely because the game had told you that it wasn't relevant hmm which yeah, that, that's an interesting one yeah like um there's uh okay minor spoilers i guess so skip ahead if you're going to play it there's there's an axe at one point in the game yeah. um and if you interact with the axe before you need it, uh, they make a joke about axes and axolotls. Um, and uh, so I was just like, oh, it's just there as like a funny bit of set decorating because there's, there are other objects on the walls and things that they will just talk about if you click on them. Um, but no, like that is actually something that you need. And when you come back to it later, they're like, oh, yes, no, no, we need this thing now. And you're like, um, because hmm. I spent a lot of time looking for a thing. <laughs> That I'd already dismissed, and I, I I don't think I've ever seen a an adventure game do that before. Normally, if 
something isn't relevant or whatever, they would just bald facedly be like, "Not yet. Come back later." Or um, you could just have it now, and um, just goes in your inventory of other things to try rubbing on things. Yeah, the, the, this is an interesting one because, I yeah, it seems like what they're trying to do is make it a bit more realistic in that normally mm. a person just wouldn't go around taking anything that wasn't nailed down yeah, carrying it about their person. But that has been the adventure game convention yes. that you can do that for so long that you kind of don't expect to not be able to pick something up and then be able to later. I see, you see it sometimes, something like that, but usually the way that it's handled, if you try to do something before you are actually able to, is that there'll be some sort of hint in the dialogue yeah. that that might be a good idea later. Yeah, there were one there were one or two things uh like the, occasionally um it's you know it this happens and it it says not right now come back later but there were a couple of times with objects where it was just kind of like um oh no this is just a funny thing and I'm like right is that is that a funny thing or will I need it later and <laughs> have to remember to come back and check that one thing uh, but no. like, I, I feel like I've just been saying bad things about the game. The game is, is quite funny. Uh, it made me laugh. Uh, um, it, it's uh, a good little mystery. I I didn't put together who the killer was. Um, quite Agatha Christian, I think, in um, in how it deals with that whole situation. Mm. I'd have gone with Agatha Christesque. Uh, yeah, I... I... I I I had reservations about Agatha Christian. <laughs> yeah. Um but but I was hoping you wouldn't pull me up on it and you did as you always do. <laughs> the thing is that just uh shortens to Christian which is is no use at all. <laughs> um yeah, no, no, it was fun. I played through it in about three hours. I thought it was worth the money I spent on it. Um, I had a good time with it. Oh, yeah, the reason I found that game is that um, a YouTuber I enjoy, the Stupendium, they did some of the voice acting for it. So oh, right. okay. that's how I discovered it. Oh, yeah, and and Power Wash Simulator, I guess. It's, it's out of, like... Um, Early access, that's what they call it. I was going to I kept wanting to say pre-release, but that's not right. Uh yeah, it's out of early access now and um and you can you can play. It. I think everything is finished. I'm power washing a building at the moment, a very large building that's taken at least 3 hours. And I'm like, is this a game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They seem to have just gamified some sort of thing that in my dopamine receptors in my brain. I I don't know. I'm just <laughs> somewhere on the other side of the, the world. You're controlling a drone, <laughs> <laughs> watching real things. Oh, that that would be that, that would be a good idea. <laughs> the the weirdest the weirdest thing for me with Power Wash Simulator is one time I uh, I played it for like you know a bunch of hours just like a couple of months ago and um then afterwards i needed to power wash a barbecue hmm. and uh, i was just standing there like oh this is weird hey <laughs> <laughs> it's it, you can't press tab to show you where the dirty bits still are like when you're hmm. actually power washing a real thing it's uh, it's a bit disappointing it's true it's not the same it's not the same
But yeah, that's what I have done, and I am looking forward to playing Stray, the cat game. Well, perhaps we'll talk about that next time. Are we are we moving into the the bit where we say more things that are in some way relevant to the movie Knives Out? No, this is the bit where we introduce the concept. Um, isn't that what I just said? <laughs> no, no, the, but this this is the bit where we explain what the podcast is. It's a podcast where we where we listen to the film in mm-hmm. eight minute chunks, yeah, and then talk about them. Okay. And then there's something to do with bells that's becoming increasingly obscure. Right then, well, <laughs> um, that that was excellent. We're, we're very good at this. <laughs> yes, we're, we're we're watching the film in eight minutes chunks. You know this because you haven't started on this chunk. Have yes, you? yes, no, because this is episode thirteen of yes. a of like a linear podcast that yes. where each episode builds on the previous one you wouldn't start on episode 13 would you that would be insane <sighs> <laughs> one day we're gonna have to stop doing this bit <laughs> all right uh yeah and then there's a bell if one of us says thing or out and we're not talking about those films or the monsters in them or or the Whatever. Or, or whatever, then one of us might remember to ding the bell and the other person will go, ugh. And then, uh, <laughs> and the, other, the other person will be grumpy because their train of thought will be interrupted. <laughs> yes, and we will basically waste everyone's time until we get back on track. <laughs> Good summary. Okay, okay, this, this is the part of the podcast called Let's Not Talk About The Thing, where we talk about something that's not necessarily directly related to the movie but sort of is sometimes who who or what wouldn't you like to not hear about today peter i want to hear about your fascination with knives um no we're not doing this right um <clears throat> look just because one time i counted all the knives within easy reach of my bed and that number was 21 that's not an obsession that's just they comfort me Oh, why are these podcasts going to be submitted as evidence in my trial? I'm still here, by the way. I was just letting that run for a while. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) I don't. I checked if Discord had dropped you again. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, I wish it had. Um, (laughs) No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Lakeith Stanfield playing Lieutenant Elliot. All right. Do that. I, I shall. I will. I must. Lakeith Lee Stanfield, born August the 12th, 1991, is an American actor and musician. He made his feature film debut in Short Term 12, 2013, for which he was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. He received further recognition for his roles in the films Selma, Straight Outta Compton, Crown Heights, Sorry to Bother You, and Judas and the Black Messiah, the latter most of which earned him an Academy Award nomination. Uh, Have you seen Sorry to Bother You, Peter? I don't think I have, no. Uh, that is a really weird movie. Hmm. Um, What's it about? Um, I, I'm I'm remembering a bit here because I saw it when it came out a few years ago. Um, uh, it's Lakeith Stanfield plays the main character who is a, a black person who is hired to sell things, 
like over the phone, right? Uh, by using his white voice. Oh, so, okay. So he's doing he's doing like a voice that sounds like a, and they are played by different actors uh, okay. when when he's talking on the phone. Um, and he ends up working for some sort of uh, sinister Jeff Bezos-like figure um, who has an incredibly fucking weird plan um, that he's enacting um, that I, I can't talk too much about because it's a massive spoiler for the movie, but it is just... I was just like, oh, okay, that's fucking weird. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I will, I will perhaps watch that at some point. Yeah, it's 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 very good. It's very entertaining, but uh, um, also at the same time, quite strange. Hmm. Stanfield has also appeared in films Dope, Get Out, Uncut Gems, and Knives Out. You remember Knives Out? I do remember Knives Out. What and we're talking Get about? Out. Yeah, Get Out. Oh, oh, they both have out in the name. Mm. Oh. I'll, Oh, I wonder if that's like a callback. It's not. Of course it's not. Mm. They should have um, a film called Get Knives. <laughs> get, get your knives out. Um, he starred in the series Atlanta, 2016 to present, for which he won a Black Reel Award for television. He has been nominated for a Critics' Choice Movie Award, a Gotham Award, two Saturn Awards, two Screen Actors Guild Awards, and five Black Reel Awards. Um... And uh, he was a smoker uh, until Jamie Lee Curtis convinced him to stop smoking on the set of Knives Out. <laughs> oh, okay. He was smoking, and she said, "Just cut that out." And he was like, "You know what? You're right." And he he stopped smoking. <laughs> hmm. I guess for all of our little foibles, vices we don't necessarily like, maybe we just need Jamie Lee Curtis to uh, to tell us stop. I think if Jamie Lee Curtis just told me quite sternly not to do something, I'd probably not do it for at least a while. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially if she's in her very severe like outfit she's in for Knives right. Out. Yeah. I uh, I don't know how I'd feel about it if it was the night the outfit she was in for everything everywhere all at once. Hmm. What if we <laughs> uh, what if she was in the kind of in hot dog mode? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, well, that's a deep cut. Go on, go and watch everything everywhere all at once, listeners, um, so that we don't have to do a season about it. We <laughs> <laughs> will. Eight everything. <laughs> Every, eight, look, eight, everything eight, everywhere eight all eight at once. Oh God. <laughs> No, you're not allowed to think of a good one. If you think of a good one, we have to do it. Those are the <laughs> rules. Oh, fuck. Um, Can't okay. say the word at during that series. <laughs> <laughs> or everything. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, that's, that's a, a whole third of the podcast already in the podcast bag. Um... This is the bit where we actually watch the film and like talk about it and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's review your answers from the previous episode, Peter. Okay. I said, if you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how did they done it? And you've changed your, you've changed your answer from what it was previously. Uh, you said it might be ransom, but you don't know how. Yes. You, um, you're suspecting him. 
possibly because you know what the actual solution is. Yeah, it's it's hard to say how much of that, but but if I was watching it really closely uh, and taking in all the details, that that detail about him climbing the 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 uh, what would you call it outside the house, the trellis, the trellis. That's the one. Uh, mm. uh, I think that would have pushed me into well, he's up to something, and it might be murdery, but I don't know how. It, how that works with what, mm. with the facts that we already know so far for now mm-hmm. and uh you also said what happens next and you said that uh, marta meets fran who has been poisoned and she says you did this mm. and outside blank is sitting in the car singing show tunes to himself <laughs> yes so yeah so you got the first half but you i don't think you could remember where it went from there uh yeah, I didn't remember the conversation that we're about to talk about in the hospital mm-hmm. and I didn't know how quickly it then got back to the um to the house again. Quite promptly indeed. Mm. And so with that listeners, we're going to be watching 1 hour and 36 minutes to 1 hour and 44 minutes of Knives Out. Yeah. <laughs> Marta runs into a door a few doors down from 1209. 1209 being the address that she was supposed to meet the blackmailer at, of course. Mm. She walks quickly through a hair salon and out the back before entering the back door of 1209. Nobody seems to care that she's there at all. Yeah. Acknowledge her. I mean, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, if if I ran a shop and somebody was just, like, running through into the secret back area, I'd be like, "Uh, um, hey, (laughs) but... I might even I might at least look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't know. I, uh, this is done for expediency, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is actually a real cleaners, uh, John's cleaners and tuxedos in Maynard, Massachusetts. All right. I almost said Massachusetts correctly the first time. American mm. listeners, be proud of me. Yeah. Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Inside, she walks into an empty, dark, closed laundrette. Peter, uh, it's time for real location or set. Uh, did you not just say this was a real location? Did you, did you not literally just say that this was filmed at a real laundrette? Real location or set? Real location. It's a set. This is a set. <laughs> what? But you the, just said it was a real location. The bit where she goes around the back, out the back, and there's a sign which says, like, John's Laundry. That's real. She goes okay. through a door, and this is a set. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Why is it a set? It's very large. It feels like it should just be a real location. Um, <laughs> um, uh, they had a little bit of problems filming here on the set because... Um, it was much brighter than it appears here in the film. Mm. And uh, obviously, um, Anna de Armas could see Eddie sitting in the chair. Uh, so they just darkened everything with post-processing. Right. <laughs> Marta discovers her medical bag on the floor before seeing a dark and still figure on a chair. She draws closer, saying that she doesn't know what they want, but they'll have to sort it out right then and that she's leaving with the tox report. I think there's, we realise something that's going on by this point, but she hasn't. 
Yeah, the, 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 there's a sort of faint, sinister, throbby music as well here. Yeah. What, um, what instrument is that, Peter? I, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to the, the score at that moment. You have one fucking job. <laughs> I don't. don't you, you asked me to comment on other things as well. <laughs> if, if all I had to comment on was the score, then I could just like submit my answers in writing before we do all this, and you could just do a monologue. So shall we do that from now on? <laughs> no. Like, well, you are my trained musicologist, though. <laughs> I don't know what the throbbing sound was. Do you, shall we go? Shall we review it live? Is is that where we are with this? Um, I, I don't think we have the technology to do that. All right, <laughs> Close okay. the stream. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a sort of interesting noise. <laughs> this is the sort of analysis you get on this podcast. And if you know what it was, <laughs> I heard an interesting noise once. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you write in and <laughs> tell us what you really think about us uh, and what that you know, noise was? Don't, don't tell us what you think about us. We we have very low self esteem. <laughs> There's no response from the figure in the chair. The music swells creepily as Marta approaches and shines a light on the figure. Suddenly, we see a pale-looking Fran lying still in the chair, a spider climbing over her face. Very good little movie shorthand here for, oh, this person is either like dead or at least has not moved for a while. Yeah, um, it's the second jump scare of the film. Ooh. I can't remember what the first one was. What was it? Um, neither can I. I think it was probably turning around to see Great Nana at the window. Oh, okay, yeah, that that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, uh, my notes here say the spider on her face makes me very uncomfortable, but then it's supposed to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I would not like to have a spider of that. That looked like a real spider as well. Yeah, it, it is a real spider. Real spider on a real face, so I'm guessing that she's not terrified of spiders or was able to control that very well. Yeah, actually, it's interesting you bring that up because that's my next point. Ryan Johnson forgot to ask her uh, if she was afraid of spiders. Mm. <laughs> and fortunately, she wasn't. Okay. Because <laughs> I would have been like, no, you're doing that spider in post. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be... Uh... Entirely computer generated spider. <laughs> that spider will cost you two hundred two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> oh dear. In her unmoving arms is the toxicology report. As Marta picks it up, Fran suddenly gasps. The um the sound designer Al Nelson added the sound of a snapping twig subtly when Fran gasps. Um, because it's like breaking the silence of the preceding scene leading up to this, right? And you can hear it if you're listening for it. But it's it's very interesting, like this, the adding in these sort of subtle sound cues. Yeah. Marta lowers her to the floor, noticing a used morphine syringe on the floor. So it's a morphine overdose. So what's the timetable on this? Because before we had a description of um, morphine overdose and how long it would take before that becomes fatal, right? Yeah, so we had um, 
uh, Harlan and Marta talk about it at the start of the movie after he gets injected. I think it's like with the amount that he's received, it's mm-hmm. like 10 minutes until he'll be dead. Right. Um, so I'm assuming because we know that Fran was injected much earlier in the day that it's a much lower dose. Right. Uh, still lethal, but not like, you know, uh, Harlan receives like two orders of magnitude more than the dose you're supposed to give. Mm. So, um, I wonder that that seems to be a bit of a, uh, a mistake on the part of ransom then, because he presumably could have given a much larger, uh, overdose of it. Or maybe that's all that there was. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, um, but I mean, we 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 see him do it in in quite a hurry. So uh, maybe mm. he maybe he's not thinking about that. Maybe he's just thinking, well, that's enough, surely. Yeah, probably. Fran gasps. You copy stash. You did this. Won't get away with this. Yes, we do, and I think we see this again later, slightly different. Yes, uh, um, uh, they really had to get her to stress the different word in in yeah. the in the other take because um, it, it, you can't hear it. I mean, it's no. the, you you hear what you expect to hear. I think so. Yeah. Fran croaks and gasps as Marta backs away, watching her for a moment, and. I think this is the moment where she's deciding whether to, you know, if Fran dies, then great, nobody's blackmailing her. But um, do you think Marta could let her die? I don't think so. No, I, I, I fully expected at this point her to just go, okay, well, no matter what else is going on at the moment, I need to try and help this person. Marta runs and grabs her medical bag and starts performing CPR on Fran, calling 911 from her mobile. So you're right. Yeah. So despite the fact there was like a second or two of deliberation, she couldn't do it. She couldn't let someone just die in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut outside to Blanc sitting in Marta's car, singing along with a song on his headphones. Uh, tell me about this song then. Um, it's Losing My Mind by Stephen Sondheim from Follies. Follies. Mm. Uh, Ryan Johnson is a big fan of Sondheim and says, I was listening to Follies while I was writing. I love the idea that Blank is working on the case and he's got this big showstopper of a song in his head. <laughs> uh, also, weirdly calling back to the last episode, apparently the character that Laurence Olivier plays in Sleuth is based on Sondheim to some degree, uh, and the working title of the play was Who's Afraid of Stephen Sondheim? Huh. And... Um, in a in a, a cute little touch here, uh, that's Daniel Craig's own iPod touch um, that he would just listen to music on while he was on set with nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Not a prop, just his just his iPod. Do you think he's actually listening to the song on the iPod while he's doing that bit? I like maybe. I mean, it's on the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> An ambulance screeches to a halt nearby and he realizes something is up, jumping out of the car. <laughs> and he says, like, oh, hell, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Later, at the hospital, Blank waits with Marta. Marta says she doesn't want anyone else to get hurt, so she's going to tell him the truth. He interrupts and he says that Ransom has just explained everything to Elliot. 
Marta's relieved that everything's come out at last, but she doesn't know why Fran took her morphine. His uh, expression is very good through this, uh, mm. Blanks, because you can tell that he's still very much in the process of working things out. His eyes are still yeah, figure, he, figuring stuff out here. He knows there's more to this. Yeah, he's uh, heard it, but he's not accepting it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of ideal for him as a detective, I guess. Like, like you know, he will not just... like. Twice now he's been handed like uh, a perfect little wrapped up solution to it on a plate and just gone, mm, no. <laughs> no, it's still I'm, not quite right. It's not quite yeah. right. Uh, there's something is, I don't know what it is yet, but something isn't quite right. And I'm going to keep worrying away at it until I've got my solution, which is, yeah. you know, obviously the best solution. Marta says she has to tell the thrombies herself and convinces Blank to take her to the house. The doctors will call if Fran's status changes. And and he keeps on saying that he does he doesn't think that this is a very good idea, and I think yeah. part of that is this thing of him knowing that there's still more of this story to to come out. But I think the other part of it is that he is like fully made up his mind now that he does not like these people and he is on <laughs> Martha's side. Yeah, uh, and I think I think we get to see that in a little yeah. while. Um, Back to the house, and we arrive as Marta is finishing her story, telling Blank what Fran said to her. I've got a note here that I don't understand. It says, the film crew are using a polarizer to modify the reflections in the window of the car as the scene goes on. Okay. I I guess uh, (laughs) polarizers, they change how... Light, light, light is reaches something, and so maybe if you're filming something that's through a car window or something, then that's difficult unless you've got another thing in front of the lens to filter out certain kinds of light, which maybe stops the reflection on the on on the window to be too strong or something like that. Sure, maybe. thank you, thank you for explaining my poorly researched note. <laughs> that, that is certainly a guess that I've just made. <laughs> if it's right, let us know. Let's find... <laughs> <laughs> they go inside, and Blank leads everyone through to the lounge. Meg waits behind and apologizes to Marta for telling everyone about her mother, and Marta forgives her. They hug it out. And yeah, here we see that. Marta's frame of mind is still in the fr- uh, in this idea of that the family, or at least most of them, are still essentially good people mm. and uh, essentially on her side, and she so she's very accepting of the this uh, of what Meg says, even though you know we've seen the other side of it and. That's not really how that went down. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said before, I, I think that uh, Blanc doesn't doesn't buy that kind of story at all anymore no. and is completely on the, uh, on the other side of it. And we'll, uh, we'll see that in a second, yeah. Meg says she's going to go and raid Fran's stash after this. And Marta looks thoughtful. She now knows where the Tox report is. It's in Fran's stash. Uh, David Schlesinger, the set decorator, made Fran's little stash box. Um, He found a statue that was kind of appropriate and glued it to the top of a makeup box. (laughs) (laughs) 
Marta gives the tox report to Blanc. Uh, she says, you're not much of a detective, are you? And he says, to be fair, you make a pretty lousy murderer. Yeah, he says, perhaps we deserve each other. And he sounds a little bit uh, dejective here. And I don't know whether that's just a little bit of an act or whether I, I, I kind of get the sense that at this point, he's, it still hasn't quite clicked into place. And he's worried that she's going to set things in motion here that's going to bring an end to it before he's figured it all out. Yeah, plus, of course, um, if she hadn't just bald-facedly given him the tox report, um, things would have been much less clear from here on in. Right. Marta goes through to where the whole family is assembled and starts to speak, Blanc behind her, reading the tox report. Yeah, and I was watching uh, Blanc during this um, bit, and when she first uh, says, you know, you've all been... Uh, so kind, good, yeah. so kind to me, and stuff like that. He, uh, he, he's watching at that point. He's watching mm. what she's saying, and he does. It's a little hard to see because he's kind of blurred and in the background. But it looks to me like he does just this little head shake, and then just stops listening and puts his glasses on to look at the <laughs> uh, the tox report. So he's, uh, yeah, he does listen for a second there, um, but it's just like. I think he, he already disagrees with that. Yeah, firmly. he's he's seen through the whole family, uh, yeah. but he doesn't think that he's going to have a chance to say that to them. Yeah. However, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Blanc runs in and interrupts her, berating the family for the way that they've treated Marta. He says, "You have not been good to her. You've treated her like shit to steal back a fortune that you lost and she deserves. You're a pack <laughs> of vultures at the feast, knives out and beaks bloody." Yeah. Title drop. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say nice dog reaction earlier in this shot. <laughs> oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. When he says excuse me, the dog goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, um, and also, I think this is one of the few times where uh, Blunk's head is kind of running ahead of his mouth a bit uh, mm. because he eventually gets to his kind of flowery, weird metaphor that he likes to do. Yeah. But he starts out with just like, are oh, you treated her like shit, which is not his kind of yeah. normal style at all. Yeah, because I, I, when I was trying to remember this before... Um, like we did this, I thought he said you treat her like dirt because I mm. I was like I don't think he swears at any point mm. in the film, but no, he does a couple of times, and this is one of them. Yeah, and I think that he's uh, because he's still in the process of like in real time, yeah, throwing the pieces together in his mind. Here he's just it, it's just at the beginning, it's just pure outburst of anger, and then he kind of assembles that into his weird vulture with knives metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is this the only movie that we've done where someone drops the title? Because um, it doesn't happen in The Thing, and it doesn't happen in Alien. Nobody says Alien. I don't think so, no. Hmm. That vaguely surprises me, but sure. Uh, yeah, and- I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure nobody says Alien in Alien. Otherwise, we'd have mentioned it. (laughs) People say thing, but not the thing. Yeah. Nobody looks at it and is like, gasp, the thing from another world. (laughs) Um, 
this uh, this was the first time the whole cast had been together and seen Dan- Daniel Craig acting as Benoit Blanc. Uh, so the surprise on their faces is genuine. Um, <laughs> and it was also the real reaction of the dogs that turned around to look at him as he stormed in. <laughs> like, like they did, they just happened to have a camera on them and they were, oh, good, a good dog take. Let's let's use that. <laughs> Uh, Blanc says that Marta's decided to keep the inheritance and that he's going to recommend the case be closed and ruled as a suicide and sweeps a baffled Marta out of the room <laughs> again very presumptuous in, on his part and very not a, um, a passive and respectful yeah. observer of the truth neither of these things is within your power to do Blanc you're yeah. a private <laughs> detective uh <laughs> um, the thrombies are very confused and uh, great now they get laugh out of her at this point as well <laughs> yeah that's that's a great little that's a great little touch here that t- we just cut to her and she goes <laughs> and I have to wonder what's driving that laugh because mm. uh, it could be a few things I wonder if it's out of kind of maybe she understands that some of this, at least, has been driven by her son. Yeah. <laughs> so some of this has been instigated by her son, and she's just enjoying him having his last little game with the, the family. <laughs> From beyond the grave. From beyond the grave. Maybe that's something uh, mm. to do with it. But I, it could be just general amusement at the situation i wonder how much she likes the family probably not much considering how they treat her yeah no they she also is somebody they they kind of treat her like an object um, yeah. whenever we see them and i keep thinking of, of walt just screaming at her we want something to eat to eat yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it turns out that her hearing is fine because blank talks to her quite quietly and um yeah she obviously understands it <laughs> I can imagine that very often that she'll just choose not to hear people around her. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, the One of the dogs at this point gives Linda Harlan's baseball. Um, so if you're, if you're tracking the arc of the baseball through the movie, here it is. <laughs> Remember, it got uh, thrown by Richard out of the study window. The dogs picked it up and played with it earlier. They've brought it back to Linda now. <laughs> and... She knows it's Harlan's special baseball, so she's going to put it back. (laughs) (laughs) Blank escorts Marta by the arm to the library, pursued by Elliot. He's literally kind of just dragging her through the building. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's working up a head of steam here, I think. He's uh, he's got it all lined up in his head. Blank asks Wagner to throw the thrombies out of the house. And and that little thing there brings us to the end of this eight-minute section. Yeah, we we end on Wagner's kind of incredulous look, <laughs> which is a very good freeze frame for yeah. this. Yeah, he's he's kind of like, you want to throw the thrombies out of the house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I particularly like that little. Say, a lot of stuff happens. Um, it just goes to show with some editing, you can make a lot of things happen in eight minutes. That's that's our podcast's motto. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It'd be a dreadful motto. It's too wordy, and it's, um, yeah. it's... just a little nonsensical as well. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> oh, I'll get it translated into Latin. Everything sounds better in Latin. 
Sure. <laughs> Peter, it's time for us to wrap this pod up. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the question. If you're seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer, and how did they do it? Well, I still don't know how uh, how they did it, but I have a feeling now mm. because the whole thing started happening with Blunk's reading of the toxicology report. Yeah. And if that's what triggered it, then I think what what I if I was watching this really closely, might have inferred from that is whatever we think killed Thromby did not kill Thromby. Mm. But then he also throws into the mix that he's going to recommend that it's ruled as a suicide. So yeah. Uh, so does that mean that he doesn't think the ransom had anything to do with it? And so I'm at this point, Maybe thinking, I don't know. Maybe I'm back to not having a theory at this point. Again, I don't know. Oh, it's it's just twists and turns all the way, isn't it? Mm, but I will say that I do not think that the manner of death was, uh, uh, fr- well, from the morphine anyway. Now, or from the, uh from the slitting of his own throat, I feel like, to, or there's something else at play here that the toxicology report has revealed. Is, okay. Is where my head's at. And um, what are you thinking of the film so far? We have but three episodes left. Well, I mean, this is the part of the, these kind of films that you live for, right? It's always entertaining every time, even if you know exactly what happens and how it happens. It's, uh, I mean, and as we know from Columbo, it's always uh, entertaining to see the detective put the thing together and then explain how it all worked on screen, no matter how much you know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I see Uh, you said it like I said it the other time. I mean... That is, that is just how it's pronounced, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't it's, it's really... You can't, not, you can't say it not in a French way. You can't say denouement. Yeah, you can't <laughs> say it unfrenchly. Yeah. You, the, the, the only thing that you can really do is lean into it. <laughs> the denouement. The denouement. I'm sorry, France. I think I spontaneously grew a moustache. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, France, but your words are just extremely French. <laughs> I think they'd agree with that yes. broadly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that bit of francophobia <laughs> brings us <laughs> crashing to the end of the podcast. And as usual, if you have any questions or comments, um, if you can think of a French word that you can pronounce in an English way, why don't you email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk and and we will read your email and laugh at you. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag hostile listening environment. (laughs) And if if you like the show, which you presumably do, having listened now to 13 episodes of a show that I get. I mean, you wouldn't listen to thirteen episodes of a show you hate, right? That's just deranged. <laughs> if you That's... hate listening to the uh, uh, to this, let us know. <laughs> if you hate listening to this, like, stop. Like, it's not for everyone. You could find something else. You maybe try gardening. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
But if you do like the show, uh, which we hope is most of you, uh, tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to this. Um, one of these days, I'm going to figure out how to look at the comments people have left on our Apple Podcasts site. Um, I, I can't do that because I don't have iTunes installed. So, mm, And that seems to be I. the only way. Yeah, neither do you. So, so we're going to have to find a friend of ours who has iTunes installed and force them at knife point to show us, to show us our podcast review. Now I'm just extremely scared and anxious about the idea that there are comments somewhere being left about us that we have not read. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Oh God, are they all negative? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you have iTunes installed, could you screenshot the page for us and then email it yeah. to us? Oh God, we're 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 so professional. Unless it's so mean that you suspect it might break our spirit. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, and with all of that, I guess you can find me on the internet at Kieran J. Walsh on the Twitter, I guess. Uh, and you? Uh, Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. Mm, or the hot dish. No, not like the hot dish. Um, or like the hot dish, but without an E. Yeah, so if you, if you subtract the natural logarithm of, a, of, a, of the hot dish. This is overcomplicated. <laughs> Look. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, did you did you notice that his his Twitter handle is is an anagram of his actual name? Mm. Did you notice that, listeners? That's 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 something I can exclusively yeah. reveal on this podcast. Pure coincidence. <laughs> uh, good night, listeners. We love you. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.